What's up, Packer fans? Welcome to another episode of Cheesehead Talk, the podcast. I'm Tremel Jeffers, a.k.a. the Cheesehead. Yes, the Bears still suck. Nothing has changed. It's almost 2021, and the same thing will apply next year. The Bears still suck. We've been running these guys over the last decade, over the last two decades, and it's going to continue in the 2020s. It was a lot of trash talking going on before the season started. A lot of trash talking going on during the season when Chicago started 5-1. and one. And a lot of trash talking going on before the game started last week. And after that 41-25 to 25 beatdown that the Packers put on Chicago, all these Chicago Bears fans are nowhere to be found on Twitter. They talk trash, and then when things get bad, they disappear every single year. They had that one good year in 2018. But now it's back to reality. So if you're a Chicago Bears fan and you're listening to this, let me give you a reminder. It's been 720 days since the Chicago Bears have beaten the Green Bay Packers. 720 days. Two years ago. It's been two years since you've beaten the Packers. And that streak is going to continue. We're going to keep running the Chicago Bears like we've done the last two decades. So it's always great to see this Packers team dominate the Chicago Cubs. They don't even deserve the name the Chicago Bears. They need to switch names with the baseball team. They're the Chicago Cubs. They're not the Bears. They don't deserve that name. But just like we do every other week, let's get into the recap. And this one should be quick because the Packers were phenomenal on both sides of the ball. The offense was great. The defense was great. Let's start with the offense. Aaron Rodgers, of course, another MVP performance, 21 for 29. 211 yards, four touchdowns, and a 132 passer rating. Also, he surpassed for 50,000 passing yards in this game. His touchdown that he threw to Robert Tunyon put him over 50,000 yards, and he's going to have another milestone coming, hopefully this week against Philadelphia. He's sitting at 397 touchdowns, and hopefully he can get to 400 against Philly. And if he does that, he will be the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 400 touchdowns with less than 100 interceptions. No other quarterback has come close to that. No other quarterback. So he'll be the only quarterback in NFL history to do that. And he's making a case for MVP. He's my MVP pick. But I know around the league, Patrick Mahomes is is the league's MVP. If the season ended today, the NFL would probably give it to Patrick Mahomes because they have the better record. They only have one loss and Green Bay has three losses. But honestly, I think that's the only thing that's separating them. I I give it to Aaron Rodgers because he's played with much less than Patrick Mahomes. Look at Aaron Rodgers defense this year. Green Bay's defense has been terrible this year. And over there in Kansas City, their defense has performed and he has every single weapon you can name over there. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hartman, Travis Kelsey, Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He has it all over there in Kansas City. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that over here. And he still has better numbers than Patrick Mahomes. The only, the only category Mahomes is winning right now is the turnover category. That's it. Everything else, Aaron Rodgers pretty much has him beat. Touchdowns, 
passer rating, completion percentage, red zone percentage, touchdown percentage, play action, touchdowns. Rodgers has it. So he's making a very strong case for MVP. He's my MVP pick, like I said. But let's get back into the matchup. Also, the offensive line showed up in this game against Chicago. They dominated the trenches against this very stout Chicago Bears defensive line. Aaron Jones had 17 carries for 90 yards. And then Jamal Williams also pitched in with 17 carries for 73 yards. 182 total rushing yards from this Packers rushing attack. Dominant performance by the offensive line and a great performance from the running backs. We need to do this week in and week out. And then on the defensive side, the defense showed up in this game. I always complain about the defense every single week. But this week, they showed up. They forced three turnovers against Mitchell Trubisky. Two interceptions from Darnell Savage. And then Preston Smith, he finally came up. And he finally showed up. He's been absent all year, but he came in. He got a sack. And he also got a fumble recovery, which he returned for a touchdown. So I'm proud of Preston Smith. He came in and he showed out. And the Packers won this game in a dominant fashion, 41-25. to And I really can't complain. The only complaint that I had in this game was from the defensive coordinator, Mike Pettin. Every time we get a big lead on the team, Mike Pettin, he plays prevent defense. And the offenses just go down the field and they score every single time. They just break us apart. They get to the red zone and they score touchdowns. Why can't we beat teams by 30 points? Why can't we beat teams by 40 points? This was a 16-point victory. And it should have been a 30-point victory. And I blame Mike Pettin for that. His defensive play calling is terrible. And he's going to be the reason for our downfall if we have one. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully we can bring a Super Bowl back to Green Bay. But I don't think that's going to happen. And it's because of Mike Pettin. He has to go after this year. It's getting ridiculous. It really is. But I'm not going to complain because we got a victory. It was a dominant victory. And it was against a division opponent. One of the teams I hate the most in the NFL. So now, let's get into this week's matchup. And we have a very special guest, so let's call him in right now. Ladies and gentlemen, now joining the podcast is a very special guest. One of my very good friends and a colleague of mine at Texas Southern University, Mr. Wilson Cheney. What's going on, Wilson? Man, nothing much, man. It's just a pleasure to be a guest upon your show, man. I've been keeping up with it for a while, and it's pretty entertaining, bro. I really love what you're doing. And, yeah, it's great to be here, bro. I appreciate that, man. I really do. Now, speaking of you appreciating my podcast, I want to talk about your podcast like I do every single other guest on my show. I want you to talk about what it is you do and what you have going on. You know, you have the YouTube channel, you have the podcast. Talk about that and let the audience know what it's about and where they can find it at. Well, my podcast is called In My Humble Opinion. It's a sports show talk about mainly basketball, and I do want to start talking about football fairly soon. And just pretty much covering most the most recent news in sports and the, rele- the, the most relevant topic of conversation that people discuss while arguing in sports. And it's a podcast I started about a year ago once I came to Texas Southern. 
and now it's um fortunately it's grown now to where um I expanded it to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, and I also have something else on the line for it too coming soon. And I'm just really, really glad to see how it's grown up and the way it's able to become now. And yes, it's been on YouTube for a whole year. And I'm just really, really glad the way it's moving up. And it's I mostly talk about well, I mostly talk about NBA players too, some that mostly struggle. I made a <laughs> I made a video a couple months ago about Paul George and what he's been doing in the playoffs and whatnot, and also talked about LeVar. And it was just multiple, multiple interesting conversations that I have touched on. And it's something I have been going on for a while. I'm just really glad, really glad the way it's moving up right now. So, yeah, you can find me on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you all go check that out. He does very fantastic work, the YouTube channel and the podcast. And he also does very good work for Texas Southern as well. So please support him and go follow him on those platforms. Now, Wilson, you grew up in Texas. What made you become a Philadelphia Eagles fan? Oh, that's a question I always get. But I've been a Philadelphia Eagles fan since I was young. Um, as everybody knows, my first love is basketball. So football kind of came a little bit after when it comes to me. And the first time I started loving the Eagles, and I can remember this vividly, I was watching, I think it was like a pregame show for, for a basketball game, and AI was on. And when he was walking through the tunnel, he had a green, a deep green Donovan McNabb jersey. And I was young, probably like, what, four or five. And I was like, what the heck is that? Who is that? And then – you know, nursing my curiosity, I flipped over to an Eagles game, and boom, there goes Donovan McNabb playing. <laughs> and ever since then, I've just been plugged in with the Eagles. I've been following them, and even when I go back to the history before, like I was around, they had a Reggie White around, and they had a great, great defense. And it was – I really fell in love with their history. And and I, as I was growing up as well, we had a lot of times where we made it to the NFC Championship, even made it a Super Bowl back in '04, and I've seen this team reach a lot of a lot of success during my time, and I just really fell in love with, you know, the passion that they had with their players, and basically just a never say die attitude. We were always the underdogs, and that's something that really, that's something I really latched on to, and made me really like the team. And it was always awkward being a Texas boy liking Philly because, as you're probably not surprised, most of my family are Cowboy fans. And literally every single family reunion, every Christmas, Thanksgiving, I always have to go to the table and be like, hey, man, uh, uh, you see how Wentz did this week? Or you see how uh, Michael Vick did? Da, 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 da. Yeah, we on board. Like, I have to hear that all the time for about 12 good years. <laughs> Trust me, I understand. I grew up in Dallas, so it's nothing but Cowboy fans out there, friends, family. I get it. Trust me. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, it's uh, we almost come to blows at some point. It's crazy. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> not literally, but, you know, yeah. But Oh, literally, yeah. literally over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel that, too. And my cousin, too, he's a diehard Cowboy fan. We always get into arguments about, you know, our team and who's better, you know, the whole shebang. And every time we struggle, I hear a good chunk of that, too. And then I always say, hey, how come you're not a Cowboy or a Texas fan? You from Texas? You know, yeah. So, 
<laughs> yeah, we can definitely relate to that. Yep, two mm-hmm. Texas boys. We can definitely relate to that. Two different teams outside of Texas. So, yeah, I understand. <laughs> We're not used to mediocrity. It's not our fault. <laughs> now, I want you to talk about that, that Super Bowl victory you all had just a couple of years ago. How how did that feel? Um, That honestly felt really, really great. And like I said earlier, we were a team that had a lot of playoff success, but we always came short in the NFC Championship and never won the big dance. And winning that in 2017 was really, really, really special for us because that year was basically a roller coaster for us. You know, we had Carson, and I'm pretty sure we're going to touch on this later, but we had Carson Wentz had a very great season before he went down with an ACL injury, was actually in was actually in talks for winning MVP. Even when he went down for the injury, he still finished with more touchdowns than Brady. And after Wentz went down, Nick Foles picked up the slack, and we just kept rolling from there. Win the playoffs and beat Atlanta, destroyed Minnesota, and then went on to the went on to the Super Bowl and beat Tom Brady. And I remember I was at my parents' house doing that whole Super Bowl, and my dad my dad was still in disbelief over the whole season the fact that we even made it to a Super Bowl. So it was just crazy the whole time. Like I had my Eagles gear on cheering, and man, it was that game was just a blur for me because it seemed like, especially nowadays, it seemed like that was such a long, long time ago, and it seemed like some more happy times rather than just dark and depressing, you know, states that we're in now. But back then, it was very, very nice for us. Like it was, it was very relieving to have that ring. But now I kind of want that feeling back. <laughs> <laughs> So getting that Super Bowl victory, would you sacrifice winning that Super Bowl for 10 straight terrible seasons? I say keep it as win the Super Bowl and have 10 losing seasons for the next couple of years because at the same time, even though a team could potentially go through all that turmoil, we still got that Super Bowl to hang on with. But, I mean, I want to understand some fan bases would say it's time for a change, but it's just great to have that – Super Bowl win, like, in my lifetime, like, me growing up. Like, I'm able to say I watched my team win the Super Bowl when a lot of teams, we have to go back to, like, the 80s and the 70s to say, oh, we we won a Super Bowl or, you know, talk about rings they won in the 90s, too. Like, I've never been a person to go back in the past. But if if I had it my way, I would have it that, to be honest. Now, this season, it's, it's a lot different. Not, not not looking like a Super Bowl year at all. Right now, you all are sitting third in the NFC East at three seven and one. So before the season started, did you see this coming? Did you see the Eagles being this bad in two thousand twenty? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all. But I did see this team going through like a little transitional period because we obviously just picked up Jalen Rager in the draft. We Picked up Jalen Hurts in the second round, which I still – well, obviously me and a lot of Eagles fans don't agree with. I feel like that was too early. But we retooled in the draft and let some guys go in free agency as well. And we looked like a kind of – we could, we looked like a younger team because the year before that we were one of the old, oldest teams in the NFL and now we're among the youngest. So I I often told people before the season started that we were going to be at least like 9-7 eight and eight. Like I always saw us this year being in like in the middle. 
we're not a very good team to compete in the playoffs, but we're not a terrible team to tank. But apparently, the tanking one is true. Like, we are looking absolutely terrible, bro. Like, I did not expect this season to go as south as it did. But, like, in typical Eagles fashion for the past three years, we dealt with injuries, receivers, you know, being hurt and everything. We had to deal with practice players in order to carry the load on offense. And it just sounds like the same sort of terrible defense as far as our secondary secondary is concerned. And it just seems like the same old story times three. It just seems like a whole nightmare that I really want to wake up from. But it just looks like now this team is broken beyond repair. And that's something I never really expected going into the year, to be quite honest with you, bro. Like, I did not expect this. <laughs> so, as a fan, do you want this team to – Make it to the playoffs, y'all are only one game behind first place in the NFC East, or do you want them to tank and get a top five, top ten pick in the draft? Oh, God, no. I do not want this team to sniff anything having to do with the playoffs. Like, this is <laughs> – like, I do not want us to end up becoming a sacrificial lamb for Green Bay or Tampa Bay for what it looks like in a wild card. Like, I do not want this team anywhere near it. I'd rather us lose out reshuffle and rebuild, get a top five pick this year, probably go after Michael Parsons at linebacker or Jamar Chase. Like any of those needs could help our team significantly. But I feel like I feel like problems on that angle is more having to do with the organization itself. And I feel like those rookies coming in, they won't make an immediate impact, but it will make a significant improvement for our team. But I really do feel like the way this team is going on right now, I feel like we're still too drunk on 2017 to actually let go and rebuild. Because you can obviously see it with our players. We re-signed Jason Peters, a 38-year-old slob. Well, I shouldn't say slob. He was solid for his early years, but he's he's 38. He's an older, older tackle that we have we shouldn't have nothing to do with. We have a younger tackle behind him in Jordan Malata. He's a great young tackle that's, well, he played three games this year, and he showed great promise, and he's shown great protection for wins, too. And instead, when Peters come back from a toe injury, which is still lingering, we decided to shuffle him in instead of Malata. And that's a, and that's a play from 2017 that won. Alshon Jeffrey, that's a play I feel like we should have traded at least last year. Man. Because it obviously, <laughs> it obviously looks like he's still still struggling with that foot injury, and now it looks like he's running with a ton of bricks in his shoes. So it's, so it's like, man, it's somebody that we should have gotten rid of. And we have a new we have a new young wide receiver right now in Travis Fulgham. He's a second-year player, and he had a crazy four-game stretch with which I'll sign anything Jeffrey did in the past two years almost. It felt like it to me. And that's a little dominant interrupt that we could have worked on, but instead when Jeffrey came back, we gave more snaps and offensive looks to him instead of Fulgham. And that's why he's been struggling the past couple of games. It's just little things like that. Like, we can't let go of 2017 in order to rebuild. So I feel like we should rebuild and start over, but knowing this team and the way it's going, I feel like we're not. So it is what it is. <laughs> now, that's a lot of problems <laughs> over there in Philadelphia, a lot of problems. But the biggest one to me, and it hit me this year, I've been defending him for years and years and years, especially the last two years. but. I finally come to my senses and I finally open my eyes. I think the problem is Carson Wentz. 
What's going on with Carson Wentz? And has he lost all of his magic from that 2017 MVP season? Ah, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm, I've been one of those ones that defended him to death, too. I got ridiculed at, you know, family gatherings, podcasts I've been on. Talked about, like, oh, Wentz is mid. I don't know why you're sticking up for him that much. I mean, for the first four years he was in the league, like, he actually had potential. In that 2017 year I mentioned, like, he had that MVP run. After that in 2018, he kind of, first year coming off an ACL injury and also had back problems, he was he was okay. He was turning the ball over a little bit more, but not as bad as it was this year. But you could tell he still had room to grow. Year after that in 2019, I feel like last year was one of, one of his most underrated years because he was coming in with a lot of scrutiny. Saying, can he just like this year? Can he repeat that 2017 magic? Can he elevate his game to show that he's actually elite? And I feel like for the season we had and the situation that Wentz has been in, been in, I feel like he did pretty solid. 27 touchdowns, seven picks. He set an NFL record with being the first quarterback in history, throwing for over 4,000 without a wide receiver having over 500 receiving yards. That's an impressive feat. That's a very impressive feat. And I feel like that what made 2019 so underrated is that a lot of our guys were down with injury per usual every year, and he literally had to do with practice squad players. And against the Giants, we had a miracle drop against them one game last year. And the game we had to make the playoffs, he had a great clutch performance that game too. And it's just one of those years that made 2019 so good. Like, one of those things that made 2019 so good because we've seen Wentz was going to make a jump this year in order to become that elite quarterback because of what he had. And now fast forward to this year. Week one against the Washington football team, the first half that Carson Wentz had, I swear to you, I thought I saw the future in that man. He threw for – I can't remember the exact com- correct stat, so don't misquote. So don't quote me on this. I think he threw for 14 for 22 almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. And he was playing like a monster in that first half against Washington because we had that big lead on him. And I don't know what – I don't know if this was the reason. It's maybe kind of small. But I remember the last five passing through right before halftime. He threw a deep ball to Rager, dropped. Threw a deep ball to Hightower, dropped. He tried another deep one to Ertz. That one dropped as well, and they looked very, very inaccurate. And the way he was playing that old first half, it was like, okay, what the heck is Wentz doing? Because they were turnover-worthy plays. And next thing you knew, the second half came around, boom, just lost momentum. And the team without no name just smacked us. Carson Wentz just turned into, you know, the ugly redheaded stuff that we know him now. Just turned the ball over. Our defense is not picking up the slack and missing up, messing up very key plays. And it just turned into the season that we know now. And Carson Wentz just simply just fell off a cliff. I, it's a multitude of things with him, really. I feel like his mechanics is a really big deal because there were always little, little bad habits that he had as a quarterback. But over the years, he matched them pretty well, pretty well because he was performing pretty solid. I feel like, in, like looking back on his tape, I feel like he overstrides on his throws, and also he has a little pigeon toe formation as soon as he released the ball. And for quarterbacks, it hurts your accuracy when you do that. It's just little things like that that he's been doing for a while, but now it's wreaked his ugly head this year. 
and he always tries to extend the play and play hero ball all the time. But in this case, for last year, it worked out. For the players he had and the weapons he had to work with, he had to play hero ball at least 80% of the time. And now this year, when he has to play hero ball, it turns into a horrible interception or a bad drop or ugly incompletion. Like, it's it's just one of those things where, like, as an Eagles fan, watching wins closely for years and years, knowing the potential, the potential he had, it seems like I'm watching a different person on the football field. It seems like I'm watching the reincarnation of Blake Bortles or freaking – like, it's, it just seems like I'm watching a different person out there, man. I don't want to say Wentz is fully the problem. As much as much as how terrible he's playing right now, I don't want to say he's fully the problem because you got to look at Doug Peterson. You got to look at the fact that offensive line rotation, we have the most in the league tied with Dallas because we're injuries. Like, there's a lot of things surrounding Wentz that's bad, too. Like, Doug Peterson played college. I'm pretty sure a lot of people ridicule this as well, and, well, especially me. I always said in 2017 that Frank White was Quentin Miller and Doug Peterson was Drake. Everybody knew that Frank White was the brains behind the offense, not Doug Peterson. His play calling is up and down. It's very predictable. And it's showing that a lot this year, putting Wentz in terrible situations that he shouldn't need to be in. Like, why are you incorporating mostly option in all your offensive game plans, knowing that your quarterback had a bad ACL tear and a bad back? it's almost like you're setting them up to get killed. So I feel like there's a lot of other things other than ones that has to do with it, really. But his play is not helping at all. So what would you think about putting in Jalen Hurts? Is that a no for you? Is that a yes? What do you think about that? Because you do want this team to tank. And then also, maybe Jalen Hurts will give this team a spark. Who knows? You never know. Just get a chance to see what he looks like out there. So how do you feel about Jalen Hurts getting the opportunity to start at quarterback? That's the funny thing about Hurts. Ever since we did draft him, I always looked at that pick. It's the same thing Green Bay did with Jordan Love. I feel like that was a gauge pick to see how your quarterback will react. And, well, in a way that is kind of similar, I guess, because the way Carson Wentz is reacting, he's reacting negatively while Aaron Rodgers is playing his butt off, saying he's not done. But that's one thing. But Jalen Hurts, I've been hearing from reports around camp and practice that he's not, he's not, he hasn't been looking impressive. Basically, he's been showing that if we throw him in the game right now with that mangled O line, he'll get killed. So basically, be the same story as Wentz. Like I've just been hearing that he's not ready as a quarterback yet. That's the reason why I haven't been throwing him in. But I feel like. If he's not ready as a quarterback, what the heck are we seeing with Wentz right now? Like, it wouldn't hurt to just throw him in for, like, you know, a game. to where, Well, at this point, from now on, if we did put in Hurts for most plays, it would not hurt. Like, it would not hurt at all because, like, we need to see what he's, what he's capable of as a quarterback. Like, we need to see what Harry Roseman saw to pick him in the second round. Like, if he's really – if you claim that he's not ready as a quarterback, then what are we picking for? Like, it wouldn't make sense then because we, it was a lot of talent in his draft that we could have picked instead of him, which makes this even worse because if we keep sending him on a bench, we basically wasted that second-round pick. Like, we we picked him for nothing. So why not throw him in and just see, like, how he plays because he can't be that bad. Wentz is already playing as terrible as he is. Wentz, 
I mean, Jalen Hurts can be that awful compared to him. So, yeah, I say, yeah, give him a try. So, since we're tanking, well, I want to tank. We might as well just give him give him reps and see what he could do. Because I feel like it can't get any worse from this. <laughs> well, I right. hope you all are – I hope you all do plan on tanking, especially going into this week. I want another victory. And, once again, Packers and Eagles this week on primetime, another primetime matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. And me personally, I'm anticipating this game a lot because you all beat us last year, and the way that you all beat us, it was one of the worst ways to go out. One, we had the one-yard line down seven points, and Aaron Rodgers throws a pick to end the game. But it was pass interference, and the referee did not call it. And that, that's just one of the worst ways to lose when you know you kind of got cheated and you can't do anything about it. That was our first loss of the season, too. The first loss always hurts the worst. And in that game, that's where we got exposed. Before we were winning, we were undefeated, and people thought that we were for real. And then you all came to Green Bay, and you exposed our horrible run defense. And ever since that Philadelphia game, every team has had success running the football on us. I think that game started <laughs> Right, and I do remember that game, too. It's, <laughs> oh, man, Wentz and Lambeau. Like, I always had a good feeling with Carson Wentz going in the Lambeau field because he always performed well in there. And like you said, last year, he played pretty well. Miles Sanders was running the ball officially. officially. I think Wentz finished with 200 yards and three touchdowns, and he managed the game pretty well. And I remember one, that game last year. It was a must-win for us because we were coming off two losses against Detroit and Phil. And I'm so sorry, Detroit and Atlanta. And coming into Lambo, we really had to win that game. And I feel like this year it's kind of a different atmosphere. As like whatever, if we come in and go in a Lambo field and win, okay, that's great for us. We might can still make it to the playoffs. And it could be number two. Oh, we lose, we get a higher projection in the draft. Like it can go either way for us. So I feel like going into this week, it's if we lose, make sure we lose with dignity. Let it be by a touchdown or a field goal, and let us actually fight to try and win the game. Like if we're gonna lay down, at least lay down without with a fight. If we go in there and get killed by like two or three touchdowns, which I'm pretty sure this might happen considering the defense and your offense, it's. That would be fine, too, because right now I I think this season is lost. Like, I always thought this season was lost since that Bengals tie. Like, ever since then, I knew what the tone of the season was. So, I feel like at this point, we're just fighting for pride. And Wentz, he just needs to get his act together, really, because I feel like this game is the last straw for him before Hurts come in. Either that or Doug Peterson gets fired, one or the other. But I feel like after this week, there's going to be a lot of changes in the organization, a lot. So I have a feeling it's going to be a make or break game for us. So if you all were to get a victory, you all shock America and somehow go beat the Green Bay Packers, the 8-3 and three Green Bay Packers, who are the number two seed in the NFC right now, what would you all have to do? What are the keys to victory to get an upset this week? The key to victory, um, limit turnovers and mistakes. I feel like that's a key for us going into every week going into teams because it's evident that now, looking at our team makeup, Wentz has somewhat of weapons around him. 
Travis Fulgham, I said, was a dominant rough. Jalen Rager, I've always been high on him as a draft pick, even though I wanted Justin Jefferson. But I, was, I settled with Jalen Rager because he was very, very fast, and he showed a lot of promise, too, when he did play as far as his catching ability. And if Wentz could just, you know, target the open man, just have great pocket awareness and does exactly what he needs to do to push the offense down the field, we will be just fine. Miles Sanders been having a quietly pretty good year, I feel like. If we keep feeding him the ball and emphasizing the run game, then that will help us a lot too. I feel like our secondary is already going to give up a lot of points against Green Bay because, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams. So I feel like we're going to get carved up there. But as long as we strike back on offense and make it, you know, a strike-for-strike, point-for-point game, we'll be just fine. So – I feel like if this if the offense just played carefully, but not too carefully to make Wentz a robot, and just dis and just disregard the run game, I think I think we'll be fine. So, what would you say your score prediction is? Give me a score prediction. Hmm. Score prediction. I say. I say twenty-seven twenty, most likely, or twenty-seven thirteen. Because as a team as a whole, we're pretty low scoring, so I feel like we wouldn't put up that much points on the board. So I feel like we'll kind of go that route. Unless Carson has a, a miracle take me back to 2017 game, I feel like it's going to be, you know, I feel like it's not going to go so hot for us as far as on offense because we've been very stagnant all year. I mean, we never have a fast start when historically we've always been a better team starting off fast. And every time we have slow, sluggish starts, the game just ends slow and sluggish. So how we start is how we end. So I just feel like scoring-wise, it won't be too high for us. And Green Bay, they're definitely going to put points up on the board too. And a little side note, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae is on my fantasy team, so I hope they go off. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. wow. I feel like <laughs> – So you have, yeah. you have Aaron – you have Aaron Rodgers on your fantasy team, but didn't you call him washed last year? Remember this conversation we had? Yeah, I do remember the conversation. And that's when I thought Wentz was going to crawl up to elite status because his first four years, he had the lowest touchdown to interception ratio among quarterbacks with 83 and 21. So during that time, I felt like Wentz was going to be next. And A-Rod last year, I did call him washed because <laughs> – because at some certain points, I feel like he didn't look like his old self, and I feel like the decline was coming. And that's why I feel like with this draft, with y'all picking Jordan Love, I feel like that's what that signified. But this year, I was gravely wrong. He's playing like pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And this is the Aaron Rodgers I don't want to come across in the dark alley. So, yeah, I do admit I was wrong about that. And he's playing at a high level like his old self again. So, hey, that's a bad man. Okay, so before I let you go, I need you to apologize to the Cheesehead Nation and everybody that's listening, <laughs> and I need you to apologize to Aaron Rodgers about calling him washed in week four last year in 2019. Go ahead and apologize. <laughs> <clears throat> ah, can you hear me good? <clears throat> so, yeah, I can hear you. Packer Nation, Cheesehead Nation, I formally apologize. My words do not represent the whole Eagles Nation. They only represent mine, so I am very, very sorry for me calling Aaron Rodgers washed. I will never disrespect the bad man, one of the greatest of all time, like that again. 
I will never disrespect y'all cheese heads in that manner again in my life. You good with that? I'm good with it. I accept your apology. <laughs> the cheese head nation, we accept your apology. Aaron Rodgers accepts it as well. <laughs> All right, it was just his birthday too, so I'm, it's only fitting. It's only fitting. Yeah, exactly. Well, Wilson, I'm so glad you joined the podcast. I really appreciate you for joining and taking time out of your busy day. It was an honor to have you, and I look forward to talking with you later down the line. So I really appreciate you for joining, and good luck on Sunday. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. We're going to have to chop it up down the line as well. All right. Great conversation with my guy, Wilson, one of the biggest Eagle fans that I know. And this week, our two teams face each other. And it's a rematch of last year. Hopefully, the Packers can get revenge this year because I still have a bad taste in my mouth from last year, especially the way that we went out. With that no call, it was pass interference on Marquez Valdez-Scantlin at the one-yard line, and it was not called. And Philadelphia won with an interception, game-winning interception. And it shouldn't have even came down to that. Green Bay should have handled business earlier in the game. But this is a new year, and this is a totally different Philadelphia Eagles team. So let's end the show with our keys to victory. And this is a must-win game for the Packers. Every game now is a must-win because we're playing for that number one seed. We got to win every single game. And like I said, this Eagles team is bad. It's real bad. Both sides of the ball. We could start with the Eagles offense. This is probably one of the worst offenses I've seen this season. They're right there in the top five for me. This, This offense has too much talent to be this bad. They rank 27th in passing. Carson Wentz is only throwing for 206 passing yards per game. It's ridiculous. Carson Wentz is so talented. So talented. And he has so much talent around him. Zach Ertz, Jalen Reger, Dallas Goddard, Travis Fulgham. So much talent. Miles Sanders. So much talent around him. And he's only averaging 206 passing yards per game. They're only 27th in passing. It makes no sense to me. Carson Wentz has been terrible this season. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He and Danny Jones are going back and forth to see who can finish the season with the most turnovers. So my key to victory on the defensive side for the Packers, you cannot let this Eagles team run on you because obviously the passing game has not been successful for them. So, of course, they know our weakness is stopping the run. So they're going to try to run the ball just like they did last year. They're going to come into this game and their game plan is going to be to run the football. You already know it. So you have to find a way to stop the run. And if you could do that, we'll have a lot of success on the defensive side. But it's going to be a tough task because their run game ranks 13th in rushing. They average 116 rushing yards per game. But if we can stop the run, I love our chances. This Eagles team only averages 21 points per game. And I don't see this Eagles defense holding us to under 21 points per game. On the defensive side for Philly, they rank 24th in stopping the run. This is a team who was top three in stopping the run last year. Totally different Eagles defense now. They're giving up 128 rushing yards per game. And last week, like I said, Green Bay was coming off of a dominant performance running the football. If we bring that to Philly, we have a 90% chance of winning this game. But then when it comes to the passing game for Philadelphia, they rank ninth in passing yards allowed. They only give up 210 passing yards per game. 
So they're pretty stout when it comes to stopping the pass. But I think if the Packers are able to run the football, get the play action going, and Aaron Rodgers continues his MVP performance, we're going to win this easily. We have to win this game by two scores. This is a very bad Philadelphia Eagles team. They should not be in the game at all. So my score prediction for this game, I'm going to say Green Bay 31, Philadelphia 19. So we'll come back next week and we'll see how that plays out. Hopefully the Packers improve to 9-3. and three. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can surpass 400 passing touchdowns. And let's continue to win. Let's continue this win streak. Let's get this number one seed. Got to keep winning. And this is a game that we have to win. So we'll be back next week. And we'll have a special guest as we talk about our matchup against the Detroit Lions. So stay tuned for that. And remember, go Pack Go! Yeah.